Well, good morning, good morning. Good morning. If, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we find ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we continue our trek through the New Testament. Also just want to remind you again, um, coming up, not this Saturday, what say this, no, two weeks. Um, July 30th, Aptos Village Park is the true love... Um, festival and so it's going to be at Aptos Village Park and just encourage you guys to grab a flyer head on out for that on Saturday uh, it's going to be really good so they're picking it up after COVID so which is really good um, okay so first Corinthians chapter 12 let's go before the Lord and we'll pick it up there in verse 1 father now, as we come before you, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, move in our hearts and in our midst, Lord, as we look into your word. We thank you that you love us, that you have plans for us, Lord, and you want to do great and wonderful things in our lives. We thank you that you have eternity uh, planned for us. Uh, as Jesus, you told us that you go to prepare a place for us, and then you're going to come and take us there. But until that time, Father, you've also blessed us and given us so much and want to use us in so many wonderful ways, Lord. And I pray this morning as we uh, are reminded of those things or learn of those things, Lord, that you would just uh, draw us close to you and bless them to our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as we've been going through this, we... You know, we've been running into a lot of problems, um, you know, throughout the church, and we we see some things that needed to be corrected, and we've been talking a lot of those uh, issues and a lot of those corrections, and we did spend a lot of time uh, on those, and because that's what the letter was intended to do in a lot of ways. But this morning, we're we're going to move on uh, to not so much correction, just more instruction, if you would, and. Um, one of the things that we know in the Corinthian church was that there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, spiritual activity, a lot of use of the gifts and uh, that, that the Lord has given. And so he's going to address all those things going on within the church and talk about them for the next three chapters here. And again, these are, I, I guess I'll call them controversial chapters, only not so much that there's controversy about what they say, it's just how different groups um, like to apply them or interpret them. And so, um, you know, we, we'll talk about that as we go through. And, and as I said a few weeks ago, that, you know, there's, some of those verses are, uh, again, you know, still causing issues in the church. So uh, we'll, we'll look at them as we go through. And so, We'll move on from the correction and the problems to talking about the gifts. And uh, verse one says, "Now discerning, I'm sorry. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant." So we see that phrase again, and we talked about it um, when we saw it a few chapters ago. Um, he's saying this is something you need to know. I don't want you to be ignorant. And we've talked about this. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, we did a whole series, Do Not Be Ignorant About. That was the title of it. And then everywhere it said, don't be ignorant about whatever it might have been, spiritual gifts in this case, uh, the second coming of Christ, uh, 
what the devil uh, wants to do and, and all those things. We, we did a whole series about them, and I, I think they're great. I think it's important, um, uh, you know, if you want to review that, they're certainly online to look at it. Um, the one on spiritual gifts, the one we'll start this morning, was actually a, meant to be a one, just one of the parts of that study. It ended up being a five-part because there's so much to say about spiritual gifts. And um, again, I just find it interesting, kind of sad, I guess. Funny may not be the best word, but the things that we're told to know in Scripture, like don't be ignorant about this, so you need to know this, those things are the ones that it seems that most Christians and believers are, are ignorant about, or they just don't understand it, or they just miss it as not being understandable, or I can't really get my you know, mind around it, or I don't want to put the effort into understanding it. it it's kind of sad because those very things that, that we're told to know usually are the ones that we're the most ignorant about as a whole, and it's just pretty sad because... You know, it clearly says, make sure we understand these things. Make sure we know them. Um, these are things that we as the church, as the believer, as part of the body of Christ, need to know. And we don't, we shouldn't be ignorant about them. We shouldn't rely on uh, church doctrine or church uh, denominational uh, teachings about these things or, you know, a church that maybe you've gone to most of your life or were raised in or have a lot of influence in your life. You know, because there's, you know, church denominations have a lot of teachings around the, especially what we're going to look at this morning, spiritual gifts. So, you know, I just encourage you not to, to put all that aside, to put aside, you know, what you maybe think you knew or what you heard or some of the influences you have. And let's look, get a fresh look at the word this morning. And actually, we'll probably spend, I don't know, maybe a you know, four or five studies on just talking about these things because it's just, they're so important. And we want to get a fresh look and, and, and make sure we're lining up with what the Scripture says and not, again, what we've heard, what we've taught, what we've kind of maybe believed by default through experience and, and going back to what the Word has to say about it. Because, quite frankly, in spiritual gifts, you pretty much have two camps and they're on opposite ends. Uh, you know, either those that believe... Um, they're not for today, and those that believe they're for today in every certain way, um, and there's problems with both sides of that in the sense that uh, how, how they're being used and, uh, or not being used. And so we're going to look at that as we go through these things. Um, you know, again, people tend to make outrageous claims about the gifts, or they completely leave them alone. And that's not what the Lord had intended. And again, we're supposed to be knowledgeable about this. This is something we're supposed to know what the Scripture says, not something we kind of stick our head in the sand about and say, well, let the people that think about those things figure it out. I'll just kind of go with the flow. This is not one of those things that we are to, are to do. Again, um, you, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you my experience. I... Um, some years ago, Ethan was, as he was a little guy, he was involved in a, in a play at a church here in town. And, you know, by default, I, I we kind of, I mostly me, I guess, but all of us kind of just became a part of helping out with this play. 
And I got to know everybody at that church a lot more than I ever would have, which was really great and fun, and I really enjoyed it, and um, it, w- it was a wonderful experience. But I remember, you know, close to one of the opening nights where I had seen these people for months now. Every Sunday afternoon, they have a practice, and I literally go there for a few hours. Uh, and so I got to know them over months, a period of time. And, uh, you know, and they said to me, hey, we'll get you speaking in tongues by the time we're done. And I smiled at him, and uh, I think I made a little comment, what makes you think I don't? And they kind of looked at me very shocked, and I kind of left it like that on purpose. Um, and, you know, I smiled and, and kind of walked away because, there, again, there's these, there's thinking is in people's mind, either you're this or you're that. There's, there's, no, there's no place that, you know, there's room for, for all this and, and maybe something different than what you've seen and what you've been raised in or what you told or what you think. And um, so, again, I think we, it's always good to look at these things with fresh eyes as we go through them. So we're told in verse 1, know this stuff. Don't be ignorant. And then he says in verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. So he starts out with these, you know, as we'll talk about this and we'll get into this, spiritual gifts. He says, you know, think about those gifts not in the way that you maybe have thought about them before you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you know, back in the day when you didn't know anything about him and you used to do however you used to do things and live however you used to live and doing all that, don't, don't bring that experience or that thinking into the church and into what the Lord wants to do. And the way, or I should say, the way you used to worship or do spiritual things, you know, you, you can't think of this in those terms. Make sure you leave that aside. Um, you know, again... Because people want to bring in their experience to these things rather than look what, you know, Scripture plainly and clearly teaches about. And so he's saying, you know, listen, don't bring any of those things in. Uh, Leave that thinking aside, particularly how you maybe thought of things before you know the Lord, um, because you'll get um, confused and they won't make sense and you can't bring that in. Of course, that's true with, with everything, but certainly in this area as well. I like this, this quote that kind of sums it up uh, this way, because I think this maybe clarifies what, what I'm trying to say here. He says, the gift, I'm sorry, gifts is by no means the same as grace. Unsaved people can have natural gifts, great gifts, even gifts of genius. We think of people like Shakespeare, Einstein, and Beethoven. We do not equate gift with morality. Some men and women of tremendous ability are wholly without ethics or morality. Some have been scoundrels without conscience. So again, when you're looking at people, you go, wow, that person is gifted or talented in those ways. That doesn't necessarily equate to morality, certainly. And that's not the gifts that we're talking about here. That, that's not what we're talking about, although there is some broader application to that, and we'll get to that when we, we get to it. But, but again, you know, you just, just because a person is a, you know, uh, well, let's use uh, the guy that's in the news every day, all, the, all day, Elon Musk, you know, obviously a, a fantastic uh, engineer, uh, a brilliant businessman, um, and, and a lot of other things you could say um, about him, gifted certainly in so many areas, but that doesn't mean 
that, you know, it's moral or it's right or, you know, it's the giftings we're talking about that come from the Lord. Okay, so you can't think of it in those terms, although, quite frankly, the Lord does gift, you know, people with all sorts of things outside of, but that's not the spiritual gifts that we're going to be talking about here this morning. So we need to make sure our uh, thinking is biblical. And again, spiritual gifts, you don't equate with talents necessarily or abilities like that would be broadly spread out in the world, although there is some application to that. But again, we need to to separate those and know this. This is things we need to understand, as we were said in verse 1. Okay, verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, he's kind of clarifying, and as we go into this topic, and there's going to be so much to, to look at, you know, no doubt there are going to be fakers, to say the least in this. And what they say or what they do is not from the Lord. Um, and again, we'll see later on in, in a couple of chapters, uh, and, and even in this, these chapters coming up, that there is something to do and there is an exhortation to prove and to discover what they're saying, if it's from the Lord or not. And it gives us the ability and what we should do to see if it is from the Lord or it's not from the Lord. So we'll talk about that. But just, again, there are going to be things that people are going to claim that this is of the Lord uh, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, uh, this thing we're a part of, or whatever it might be, is from the Lord, and it's not. And so he, we need to understand that as well. And, and I think as we go through here, the real quick test is what he talks about here. You know, is it like Jesus? Do we see Jesus in what they're saying, or how they're acting, or what they're doing? Do we, do we, you know, from what we know and what we've learned and what we hear and what we've learned in Scripture and in the Gospels about Jesus, do we see Him in that, in what's said and what's done, uh, what, what they're a part of? That, that's the quick test. Um, is it like Jesus? And we can sort that out pretty quickly, and we should sort that out pretty quickly. And of course, he's going to give us clear instructions later on about making sure that we do that and make sure that's done. But again, know that it's going to happen. They're going to claim it's of the Lord. It's not of the Lord, um, you know, and we could just do a quick test. Is that like Jesus? Or is that just really making you look better? Or making you look more spiritual? Or making, you know, your ministry look like it's something that it's not? Does it bring it, who does it bring attention to? Who does it bring glory to? Who's it really helping? What, you know, uh, is that something that Jesus would do? And we should always look at those things because we'll always have people that'll say, this is the Lord, this is of the Lord, I'm doing this of the Lord. And, and at the end, well, is it going to make you a lot of money? Well, could it be of the Lord? Sure, it could be, but, you know, there's a lot of questions here. Was Jesus all about that? No. Could he have been? Sure. And again, um, does it line up with Scripture and all those things that we know about Jesus and who he is? And so we know there's going to be some of that in there as well and uh, know that that's going to happen. And again, I'll, I'll give you another quote. I think that um, 
that helps make this clear as well. It says, Jesus made it plain, saying that when the Holy Spirit would come, he will testify of me and will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself or any man, but to glorify and to represent Jesus. We can therefore trust that the true ministry of the Holy Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus. And I like that. So as we go through these things, and as you hear things, and as you experience things, and as things come up to you, again, you know, is it pointing to Jesus? Is it glorifying Him? Is it talking about who He is and what He's done and moving Him up? Or if it's something else, then, you know, again, pretty easy to tell. It's, it's not of the Lord, no matter how much a person wants to demand that it is. So again, don't be ignorant. Don't bring in your old way of thinking in here. And know that there's going to be people that are going to claim this is of the Lord when it's not and or at least and and sometimes they sincerely believe that even though it's not and we need to run that through and obviously make sure it's of him and now he's going to go into the gifts itself after kind of setting it up for us if you would and it says in verse 4 there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of ministry but the same lord and there are diversities of activities But it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, I really like that. And I think, again, verse 7, as we'll get to it here in a second, is just one of those underlinable, remember that. At the end of the day, the gifts that are given is to profit everyone in the body of Christ. And uh, that's what he's talking about here. But verse 4 says, There are diversities of these of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, there are a lot of gifts. And as I said in the beginning, you know, we, I, I intended, you know, when we were doing that series, Do Not Be Ignorant About, you know, spiritual gift was just going to be one particular Sunday and ended up being five Sundays because there are... Uh, so many spiritual gifts spoken about in Scripture that I think it are important that we understand what they mean when we read through those lists. And so not only are there spiritual gifts listed here, but Romans 12 gives us a list of spiritual gifts, and Ephesians 4 gives us a list of spiritual gifts. And then they're mentioned in other places in Scripture where they're not so much a list, but you can see that gift or that gift is talking about. And, you know, it even can go back to gifts... Um, Ohio and Bezalel that uh, God put the spirit put His spirit in him to help create everything for the tabernacle when they were in the wilderness that Moses uh, that the Lord had Moses build and He gave these two guys you know the ability to make everything or oversee the making of everything that needed to be done for that tabernacle worship uh, and the Lord in the wilderness that moved into a promised land eventually and so there's even those kind of gifts as well that are mentioned throughout Scripture. And so there's quite a few of them, and it would take quite a while to go through them all and talk about them. But again, I refer you back to that series we did, and, um, and just remember, this is, this is just one of a few lists that are mentioned here as we go through him. And again, 
we need to remember there are diversities of gifts. So we see that there are many gifts given to us by the Lord for His people, but all come from the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 4, but all but the same Spirit. There's a lot of gifts, but they all come from the Holy Spirit, okay? So we will have, all of them will have unity because they all come from the Holy Spirit, and they will all, uh, in other words, they won't conflict with one another. In other words, somebody can say, well, this is of the Lord, and thus says the Lord, or something, some sort of prophetic thing, let's say, and then this person says just the opposite, and, you know, or this is true, and then that's not true. That's not unity. So, again, they all come from the same Holy Spirit, so they're going to have unity. There's not going to be any conflict in them. And when you have conflict in them, or people, you know, have these conflicts, then you know, uh, you know, it's not right. It's not from him. Maybe on one, maybe on both parties, and maybe a part on each one, you know, any combination of those things. But there's not going to be a conflict. And if there is a conflict, you can instantly say, okay, wait a minute. This is not from the same spirit because he's not going to, you know, out of one mouth saying, uh, yeah, Ethan, I want you to do a hundred push-ups. And, you know, if I were to say, no, no, Thomas, you do a hundred push-ups. You do 100%? <laughs> right? You know, you know, and the Lord says, either do 100 push-ups. No, Thomas, do 100 push-ups. And then, Royal, you got to do... Fit. Well, wait a minute. He's not going to say three different things that are conflict with each other, right? You, you do this, you do this, you do this. You, you know, right? There's going to be unity. And when there's not, and when there's conflict, you know, something's out of whack there. Again, you know, the Lord might say, oh, the Lord showed me this. No, the Lord showed me that. No, He did this. No, again. There's more than one gift, and that's important but again, they're all from the same spirit. They won't conflict each other. And know this, that one is not elevated above the other. There, there isn't some that say, well, this is the super spiritual gift, and this is kind of like the bottom of the list kind of spiritual gift. Now, there's some that have more um, impact directly uh, in the church body, and we'll talk about those, or, well, you can read about those in Ephesians, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to it. But again, the spiritual gifts are spiritual gifts, not making one better or more spiritual than the other. Just remember that. There's not that conflict here. And again, verse 5 tells us there are difference in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. I like the way the NIV reads that, um, and it says, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but all the same God who works all of them in all men. So again here, uh, there's different kinds of service, but it's from the Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but it's all God who gives them and gives them to us, and they come from Him. So there's a diversity of calling. There's a diversity of gifts. And let me just remind you, they're all needed. And that's why we can't prioritize some over the other and think, well, these are the important ones and these not so much. And that's typically what happens in, in a lot of the you know, uh, Protestant denominations, especially the more you know, evangelical denominations. You know, when it comes to spiritual gifts, you know, they'll say, uh, some of them will emphasize a handful of them, uh, and typically it's like tongues and uh, 
maybe some prophecy, but it tends, typically tends to be tongues for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and, and maybe a couple of them. And then others will say, well, those things don't have any relevance today on the other side of the spectrum. You know, those are sign gifts and they die with the apostles and they are not needed after the first century and they have their reasons why and they have their reasons why those are so important. But the reality of it is there are so many diverse gifts. They all come from God. He wants to give all of them to all of us that we might all benefit from them. And they're diverse. They look different for this functioning in this way in the church, for being a pastor or being an elder, being a deacon, being somebody that organizes administration or helps put together the children's ministry teaching or you know runs uh, the guys that help, you know, put the parking lot and getting people parked and and there's all sorts of divisions there's all sorts of offices and positions and and other types of gifts and and they're all needed so you can't just say well these are more important we're going to focus on these no these are gone away with and we're just you know those are great and we can talk about them but they don't have any relevance no to the air on both parties Uh, they're all needed they're all gifts and they look very diverse um you can also look at it this way. I think maybe this may be a little easier way to look at it. Uh, you know, just think of um, the churches in our in our community here. Let's just think of the Pajaro Valley, let's say. Um, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, the Bible teaching churches. And we're not talking about the ones that have left that or off on a whole different place or whatever. But, you know, just, just think about the ones just in our community here, just in our area. You know, uh, there are those that appeal uh, to the emotion you know, a believer's emotions. And so you go to their services and they're very loud and the pastor speaks, you know, pretty boisterously and he'll yell out and there'll be a lot of music and it'll be loud and people, you know, it's just kind of this, it, it, it impacts you emotionally. There's others that like to sit there a little more quiet and it's, they, they, they relate a little bit more intellectually and they're taking it all in and they're learning those things and and then there's others that are very rigorous. You know, you sit at one time, you stand another time. You know, you do this, you do that, you wear this, you say this, you don't say, you know, all these kind of rigorous things. And there's an, some of them put an emphasis on what you wear, what you don't wear, uh, what football team you root for. <laughs> no, you know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you get the idea. There's some that have ministries to the down and out and the poor. There's some that want to reach children that are possibly going into gangs or work with the youth and all this kind of stuff. And again, there are all those things, and there's room for all those. There's room in God's church, in God's plan for all those things. And again, it's, uh, you know, there are different gifts and different callings and a diversity of activities, and they all can have their place because some people relate to the Lord more on an emotional level. Great, fine, and those churches tend to be the ones that you you that attract you. Others, you know, maybe on the uh, you know you like it this way or this way or that way. Great, there's room for all those things, and we can't say that one is better than the other or or, or you know this and that. Or you shouldn't really reach out to the down and out. You should reach out to these people. No, there's a place for all that. There's a place for all those things. Here, typically, again, our desire here at Calvary Chapel is to teach the Bible simply. You know, it's to know our Savior, to grow in knowledge of our Savior and of His Word, to be equipped for the calling that He has for us and the gifts that He has for each one here. 
Now, that's our desire, that you'll be equipped, that you'll grow in your knowledge, that you'll mature, and, and you'll use those gifts and callings and abilities that the Lord has given you to, to uh, again, to the purpose of fulfilling what God has planned in your life and in the church. And again, um, maybe look at it this way. There are many people that, that are right now in our community, in our valley, in our area here, that, you know, will have the Bible open. But they'll teach it in, you know, different styles, and yet it's all kind of the same operation. They're teaching from the Word. And so we operate in the calling and the diversity that He wants for us. And there's room for all that, and it's okay. So we don't have to, and I get it. You know, people say the church that they go to is the best, and I think that should be your heart, because if it's not, then, you know... Um, you know, it, it, but it's not the best for everybody. It's the best for you. That's where you know you should be. And once you know that's where you should be, that's where you need to plug in and use those gifts and abilities and be a part of whatever the Lord is doing there. Absolutely. And in, in, it, in your mind, it should be the best. And that's why you're there. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not room for those other diversities and those things within the body. And again, I'm talking about biblically sound churches, not talking about what the Jehovah Witnesses are doing this morning, the Mormons, or some of those very liberal Protestant denominations that have just written off the Word of God eons ago. Not talking about that. You know, talking about those that are, you know, foundationally biblical believers and and those uh, those uh, foundational, obviously, Christians. Um, but he wants diversity. Now I'll put another quote up here because I think this one is good as well. There's various gifts, but one God. God is a God of boundless diversity. No two fingerprints are alike. No two snowflakes. No two blades of grass. No two leaves. No two sunsets. No two personalities. God delights in variety. God is also a God of order. There are three persons in the Godhead, but there is only one God, and they are one in power and purpose. And so again, I, I, I like how that is. There is diversity, there is room for diversity, but they're all come from the same God. They're all given by the same Holy Spirit to act. And so they will all have unity. And that's important um, that he has diversity with unity. And then verse seven, I think again, sums up, you know, this whole matter here, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And there's two important things to see here. First, everyone has a gift from the Lord, at least one. Is the manifestation or the gift of the Spirit, each one for the profit of all? is given each one by the prophet of all. So you need to understand that everybody has at least, every believer, every Christian, every born-again believer has at least one gift from the Lord, at least one. And in my experience is it's always more than one. It's usually multiple ones, and maybe you're not always aware of all of them, but you know, there is at least one. And, and again, uh, you know, he knows what you're called for. He knows what he wants you to, to, to use and how to use them. More the more important question is, do you know them? Every believer should know 
the gift or the gifts that the Father has bestowed on His children, what the Holy Spirit has given to us. If you're not sure, then it's always a great thing to go in prayer. Lord, show me what you have given me. And the other great thing is sometimes we don't even recognize them in ourselves, but you, it's always great to go to somebody who's you know, mature in the church or knows you well, has been a Christian you know, a long time, a pastor or elder or deacon or somebody or somebody you've known as a Christian for a long time, and typically they can see it. Sometimes we, it's a little bit foggy in our head or we don't want to give ourselves credit for this or that or we don't think that's anything when really you know, other people can recognize it pretty clearly, you know, the gifts that you've been given. And again, they should be clear to you, and we should always continue to want to function and use those, as it says here, for the profit of all. Uh, it's meant for the profit of all. And we have them, and they're given to each one of us, and the design for them is not to make you famous or to make you look more spiritual or to do this for you um, or to benefit this and somehow or that, they are for the body of Christ, for the profit of all. Um, Ephesians 4.12 says this, The gifts, you know, prepare God's people, that's the subject I put in parentheses, prepare God's people for works of service, or you can, some translations say ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So Ephesians 4.12 tells us that these gifts are given for, uh, again, as it says in verse 7, for everybody, but also it tells us pretty clearly here that it's for building up the church. The body of Christ is built up by them. You know, they're not to make you famous. They're not to make you money. They're not to give you attention um, you know, it, it's not about you and what you get out of it and what you're recognized for and, you know, what benefit people look at you for. The, it's not any of that. And when a person thinks that, it's, it, they're, they're barking up the wrong tree because that's not what it's for. And, and there are people that use those gifts, God-given gifts, spiritual gifts, not the natural Einstein and Beethoven things that are given out, but spiritual gifts by God for their own benefit. You know, they're gifted in this area. Um, one of the big ones tends to be music. You know, they're, 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 you know, given that gift to lead people into worship and to write songs and have this beautiful connection. And, you know, then, they, uh, you know, you hear, oh, yeah, they, they went from Christian to, um, to secular um, thing. I was reading something about... Um, I don't know her, and I really don't know her music, and nothing, nothing I ever really ever listened to. But I was reading something about Cheryl Crow. Um, I guess she's pretty older now. <laughs> she's been around a long time. I mean, I've heard her name, but I just never, you know, really listened to her music. But she was saying something about um, that when she had finished college. I think she's in Missouri or someplace. I can't remember somewhere in the Midwest. But you know, when she was. Uh, uh, after that, she, she had a boyfriend, and she was engaged to him, and, and she said he was a born-again Christian. That was, that was her words. And he told her that, you know, you have that gift from God, and you should be using it for God. And her response was, well, 
I don't want to limit it to that or something along those lines. It's not an exact quote, but it's something along those lines. And, uh, you know, and I thought, you know, here was the Lord. And again, just from reading an article. So, you know, I'm obviously speaking kind of general terms here because I don't know any of the situation. But from what I heard and from what I've seen is that here's a person that had this opportunity, who's been given this gift and was even... You know, and arguably, obviously, she's going to be engaged to this guy, so you assume that she went to church with him and was involved in things of the church with this guy. Um, and, you know, she thought, you know, that I'm not going to limit myself to this. And that was, you know, God's way of saying, hey, you know, you use this gift for my glory and not to make you famous and rich and this and that. And they just diverged off that path and, and used it all for their own benefit and for their own fame and for their own attention and all the other things that come along with that. That's not what it's intended for, and that's not what God, you know, chooses. And when a person does that, it's, it's you know, again, it's completely out of the will of God because it's to build up the church, it is to for the profit of all, all believers, the church as a, as a whole. And again, um, um, I, I, I like this, you know, it says it, it, if... If the gifts given do not encourage, equip, edify, or extort, or exhort, I should say, or any other E word, <laughs> the body of Christ, then not using it, a person's not using it as is intended. Because that's what it'll do. It'll encourage, it'll equip, it'll edify, it'll exhort, and all the other E words I couldn't think of, you know, again, that's what it'll do. That's what it's intended to do. And now... He's going to give us a list of, I think there's nine of them here. I counted them, but I can't even remember, so I'm losing it. But, you know, he's, he's going to give us a look at, at, at nine of those gifts that are given for everybody to build up the church, to, you know, that come from the same Holy Spirit, who the Lord comes from the same Lord, and their, their functions are to build up the body and the profit of all. And the first one he lists here in verse 8 is, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now, if you're an underliner or a highlighter, you know, you can just highlight each one of these because you can see the gifts and go back to them or underline them, however you like to do that. But here's the word of wisdom. The first gift is the word of wisdom. What should I do? What should be done? What does it mean? Um, that's what this word of wisdom is. Um, in Acts chapter, I think a good example of this, Acts chapter 2, right? Um, the Holy Spirit comes, they see that miraculous sign, they see what's happening here, and then all of a sudden Peter stands up and says, hey, what you just saw, what you just heard by this fire and wind and all those things, the noises you heard and everything, this is what it means. Um, that's using a word of wisdom. Um, Remember a little bit later on in the book of Acts, you know, James and, and the brother are there at the church. Uh, Paul and Barnabas come into town because there's some dispute about, well, should we keep these Old Testament rituals and laws? Uh, we, don't, we think that the, the non-Jewish people aren't, aren't under that. That's the Old Covenant, the Old Testament kind of look. You know, we're under this New Covenant. No, no, other people are saying, no, we need to do that. So they come before James and the, and the apostles there and ask about that. And the word of, wisd uh, the word of wisdom, you know, uh, 
is applied. It's knowledge applied. And they say, no, this is what we should do. This is what it means. And this is what you know, we should do in the church to those people that are, you know, that are not from Jewish heritage. And so some of the things you should think about. So again, the word of wisdom is knowledge applied. And, you know, sometimes we, we get, we're given a word of knowledge when we pray, you know, just to make us pray. You know, it just, we're given some insight or knowledge on something, this uh, word of wisdom, and it's just to lead us to pray. And there's no other actions required on that. The word of wisdom, again, doesn't come from somebody figuring out something. Okay, I figured it out. I put together the clues. Uh, you know, that's sadly what I have to do at work almost every day. You, get a little piece of information, you talk to this person, you get that, you look at this, you get this, you know, you see that, you read this, you, you know, whatever, and you're trying to put all the clues together and kind of figure out, you know, who done it <laughs> a lot of the times, right? And what's going on here? And, and that's not what we're talking about. It doesn't come from your ability to figure things out in a situation. This is a supernatural, supernaturally given to answer a question or to solve a problem that the Lord wants to give us supernaturally. Um, again, I think we see this in Jesus in John chapter 8 when the woman's caught in adultery and, you know, they're using this as a big trap to catch Jesus. And, uh, you know, Jesus knew what to do had that word of wisdom come into him. And we can see how important that is for the church, right? I mean, that's a very important gift to have. Again, we could probably spend a whole service just on talking about each of these gifts. But for our sake, we'll, we'll, we'll go through them and, and talk about them in, in not at super great lengths, but hopefully enough where we understand each one. So the next one says, to, the, to another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit, through the same Spirit. So this is knowing something that you wouldn't know unless the Lord revealed it to you. This is the word of knowledge. Uh, again, I think that scene in Acts again when, when Peter uh, is there sitting and Ananias comes in and lays all this money supposedly at, at the feet, like other people were doing to support the early church, and you might remember all that. Yeah, I sold this piece of property for this, and here you go, and let's just use it for, for, for God's kingdom here. And then all of a sudden, Peter knew that, hey, this wasn't what it seems. He's holding back you know, a portion of this, but acting like he's giving it all. And so again, we have that word of knowledge. He couldn't have known that. He wasn't there when the deal was signed. The money was exchanged and counted. And when Ananias, and then later on, he'll have that same word of knowledge when his wife comes in, although, albeit a little bit different, because he asked her the question um, and uh, given to him a little bit different there. But again, something that you wouldn't have known otherwise. The Lord gives you information about a person or a situation not so that you have some gossip in your head or you know something that's going on. It's not for your benefit, but it's used to exhort somebody maybe or encourage them or bring them great comfort, right? I feel like this happens a lot, at least in my life, when I'm praying for somebody. All of a sudden, you know, they ask me to pray for this and sure enough, I'll pray for this and then the Lord will just give me something about something that maybe not even be what they asked or maybe it's just some clarity about the thing that they ask. And, and, and you know, I just feel like, okay, Lord, that's what you want them to hear in all this. And so I, I believe that happens a lot, at least 
for me when I'm praying for somebody. You know, all of a sudden the Lord will give you something like, wow, okay. And then, you know, that's the gift and you just go along with it and use it. Okay, that's what's really going on here or that's what they need to hear. And again, sometimes it's correction, but sometimes it's, it's great words of comfort, you know? You know, the Lord knows that, that your loved one is in heaven. Well, you wouldn't have known that. How do you know that, right? Who knows? They're not, you know, but he'll give you that maybe for comfort for someone that just lost somebody or, you know, somebody that's struggling in this area. There, there's so many great things that can happen with this word of knowledge that the Lord, uh, you know, and it comes to them and, and, you know, this is, they give that out to encourage people or exhort people. Uh, again, um, and, and it can happen whether you're teaching third graders or, you know, in a Sunday school or teaching adults in a Bible study, you know, listen, the Lord just gives you some sudden insight uh, into some situation, and what we need to do is trust Him. Well, where did that come from? Well, I'm a believer. I want to be used by the Lord. I, you know, I believe in your word. I believe, Lord, you've given us these gifts. You don't have to process all those things, and as you mature, you just realize, okay, He just gave me that, and I want to use it. And it's never to put down or to demean or to give you some juicy gossip on the inside. Oh, that's really what's going on. We're to use it and to trust the Lord, and it's going to be for everybody's benefit. It's not going to benefit you as like you're some super spiritual being. That's not what God intended to be. But it, it's so important in the church, and I think most of you know that when I talk about it. Well, let's just finish off with a couple more here and we'll, we'll finish up for today. But verse 9, he says, To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, this is not general faith where a believer, uh, that the believer has in their salvation, you know, that come to, to Jesus and I put my faith in the finished work on the cross and what he's done for us and the price he's paid for my sin and I come by faith, you know, to, to that salvation, to that moment where, uh, as Jesus put it, you know, being born again and all that, uh, that's not what we're talking about. This is a, a great outpouring that causes us uh, to maybe overcome a feeling, uh, you know, that, oh, this, this really can't be done. I don't know how this is ever going to do. And, you know, you're just about ready to throw in the towel and give up. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, this Lord says, no, you know, gives you this great, no, you can do it. Continue on. You know, you're, 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 this is not over. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working here. And again, uh, you know, you, I, I'm going to trust you, Lord, okay, to continue to do this. Again, Peter, when he was, and John, they were going up to the temple to worship, and there was this poor crippled guy with a cardboard sign asking for, you know, some change there. And Peter probably walked by this guy a hundred times, and John did. Uh, he probably passed dozens of other homeless people, we'd say today, on the way there. There was beggars probably all over the place. But all of a sudden, on that day, at that time, with that person, Peter just stops, looks him right in the eye, and tells him to stand up. And this is a guy uh, over 40 years old that has never walked before. He's never stood up in the 40 years of his life. He can't stand up. 
But all of a sudden, you know, the Lord just gives Peter this faith. Nope, this is the guy I want to do. This is what I want to touch. This is what I want to do right now. And, you know, it's not something I could do. Man, I'm going to be a big flop if I tell this guy, uh, you know, in his own mind, Peter could have been wrestling with, if I do that and this guy just, I, you know, tell him to get up and he doesn't get up or whatever. Okay, and then I lift him up and he falls down and he falls off the stairs or wherever he's sitting. Man, I'm going to look like a buffoon and this and that or whatever. But, you know, you, you bypass all that with that faith that he's given you. Nope, this is what the Lord wants to do. Stand up. And the guy stood up. Or maybe it happens more to us. The Lord's telling you to go up and witness to this person. Tell them about Jesus right now. Oh, wait, well, I don't know. Lord, is that you? Is it me? Did I have pizza? Is it wrestling with my stomach? You know, is it just my idea? You know, he'll, no, you need to go talk to him. And he gives you that faith, even though you don't know that person, or maybe you know that person and the situation doesn't seem like the right time or whatever, or you don't even know them, and you just, okay, Lord, in that faith, I'm going to go. Or let's do this, or let's go there. Jonathan, when he was going to attack the Philistine, you know, the son of Saul, he was going to going up to see what the enemy, the Philistines, were doing. And there was a whole little troop of them, little, uh, not a garrison, but a little company of them, of soldiers there. And, you know, it's like, the Lord gave him faith. Hey, let's go up and see what the Lord wants to do. If he's in this, he's going to give us victory. Okay, let's do it. And they go up there, and of course, the Lord, you know, gives them that victory. Other times, you know, the gift of faith encourages people in tough times, you know, or when you aren't sure something's going to happen or work out, and we're given that measure of faith to see us through those things. And we can see how important these, these gifts are. Uh, finally, we'll look at this one as our last one here, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. So now we're kind of dabbling into these ones that can be a little controversial in the fact that, you know, again, they are, um, you know, people use them in all sorts. There's just opposite ends of the spectrum on these things. But I want you to read it and look at it. Notice these are gifts, plural, gifts of healings with a plural S. Not the gift of healing, which a lot of people claim to have. It's, uh, uh, it's not just one thing. It's not just, he, this is the gift of healing. It's gifts, so it's going to look different. There's going to be a diversity, and there's going to be different types of healings. So notice that it says that. And, and again, we have Scripture as our guide, Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about having a healing ministry or even healing meetings or healing services or Holy Spirit services for that matter. You just don't see that anywhere. Nor, you know, does it talk about healing ministers, you know, the gift of healing. It's just not there. There are different kinds of gifts that have to do with healing. That's what it's saying here. You know, um, and I think this is best demonstrated in Jesus. He healed in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different... And and almost, you know, uh, this huge, broad range of things, you know, and and as so many did in the Bible, because it's not a special... Because if it was a formula, people would say, oh, that's the formula, I'm going to copy it, this is what it's done. 
And the Lord does not want to do that. And if you go to a lot of these healing places, you know, it, it's pretty much the same. And I've been to them, a number of them over the years. You know, there's a number of things, but it generally ends up with the guy touching their head and they fall back and, uh, or they, you know, do something and they throw something at them and they act like they get hit or, you know, they say the same words over and over again. You know, it's just kind of limited to a couple handfuls of, of ways of doing it. And that's the way they always did it. But Jesus did it in so many different ways because he wanted to know it wasn't this special combination or there are certain body actions you had to do or needed special items to do that. It's a gift that the Father chooses to give when He chooses to give it. Sometimes Jesus just spoke and they were healed. Sometimes He put mud on their eyes. Sometimes He spit on them. Sometimes He touched them. Sometimes He told them to go somewhere and then they'd get healed. Uh, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. You could just go through all those things in the gospel. And He just didn't do it the same way. And I believe that was just to remind us that it's just not this formula you have to find. It's a gift. And again, he chooses when to give it, and he chooses who to give it to. And I think one of the great things about this to remember is that, remember, Paul had this gift at various times and did amazing things when the Lord gave him that gift to heal people. But to remember, there was at least two people that we know of that Paul couldn't heal. He wanted to heal Timothy. Uh, he wanted him to uh, be healed. Um, and he said, you know what, Timothy, just you know, change your diet a little bit. Let's do this. Let's work on it that way. Well, he'd healed, I don't know how many people, uh, and yet he couldn't do it with there. I think Trimophius, sorry, his name just escapes me. I thought I remembered it, but I don't. But he was another one. He went to see Paul in jail, and he almost died. And Paul said, man, I prayed for him. The Lord would heal him. And nothing worked, but, you know, in the end, eventually the Lord got him better. I mean, there's just, you know, a few cases like he was used, but other times he didn't. And I believe that's what we're talking about here. He chooses when to give it and how to give it and who to give it to and for what circumstance and what situation. You just can't say, hey, come on down, fill up the auditorium, guys. And, you know, I have the gift of healing and I'm just going to go through bam, 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 you know, done. It's just, it's just unheard of scripturally and it's outside of scripture. Um, and I always said this, if that were to be true, and if you really had that gift of healer, that was your ministry and that's what you said your gift was, I mean, quite frankly, would you just rent a place and invite people to come or would you be more like what I think? If that was true, I would just go to the first children's hospital and I would go to every single room first, right? I wouldn't have them come to me. I would go to them. You know, if you ever been up to the Julia Packard Center at Stanford and Ethan was there when he was a baby, and we went up there a lot, and you see kids with cancer and you see children with horrible diseases at that place because it draws from all over Northern California, Central California and everything. And the first place you would go would be doing, going down the line and doing that. Not, not making a big name for yourself and asking for $10,000 offerings and putting your name up on lights. You know, I just, uh, you can just see how that just is contrary to all the things that we've talked about this morning. And so... Um, we, we just need to remember that and look at that and, and see, again, people will claim all sorts of things and then if you speak against them, they'll come out with 
you know, teeth nod and how dare you question, you know, the Holy Spirit and who I am and all this kind of stuff as they've done before. But again, these are gifts given as God sees fit to his children to edify and build up the church and, and to, that's for the benefit of all. And we need to think that and keep that in mind and desire these things. Of course, we'll talk about that, you know, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 when we talk about that. But, but again, you know, desire. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want to have those gifts. I, I want to be the person that you use whenever you see fit to use me. I, I want to be that vessel. And so, Lord, give me those gifts when you want to be used. I, I want to be... As, as Paul would put it later on, that cup used for noble purposes, you know, not the regular average, you know, Joe, uh, you know, ceramic coffee mug. Man, I want to I be used in a, in, a, in a great and wonderful way, not to make me great and wonderful, not to magnify my name. And people go, wow, isn't he spiritual or isn't she wonderful? And I'll know, Lord, that, you know, that you can be glorified and people will come to know you and see you and not see me, but see you. And that's the people that you know, quite frankly, the Father is looking for to use and something that we should desire to do. And again, something we should know. That's what he tells us. Well, we'll leave it off there today and we'll pick it up. Uh, didn't get as far as I'd like to, but I don't want to skip through going through these gifts too fast. So we'll, we'll leave it there and pick it up in verse 10 next time. Father, we do thank you for this time and for this knowledge, because we know this is certainly in accordance with what you want us to know as believers, as part of your church, as your people. Uh, you want us to know these things. Uh, you want us to put them to use. You, you want to use us. I, I don't get it. I really don't. I've never gotten it. It seems like you could use a thousand better different things to uh, you could dispatch angels who could do all this perfectly and without doubt and without fear, without questioning, you know, who's it coming from and do it with, you know, accuracy and finality and, 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 and execute it perfectly. And, and yet you choose not to do that. You choose to use us, you know, weak and uh, hobbled together vessels and vessels of, you know, leaks in them and <laughs> problems and this and that. You, yet you want to use us, imperfect to say the least. Uh, but this is what you choose to do. And so if that's your way and that's your will, Lord, I pray our heart would be, well, then use me, Lord. You know all my frailties. You know my shortcomings. You know why I blow it. You know my doubts. You know my fears. You know my problems. But I want to be used by you regardless. And so, Father, may that be our heart. And may we know and understand these things as you instructed us to know and understand these things, Father. For we want to, be, to know your will, know your plan, and to be used by you, Father. So bless these things to our heart, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.